0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a spooky edition of ARG Presents. I'm your boy, your good friend Migo Aaron, joined by a man who's haunted me for far too long. I give you the spectral vision that is the Brent. I will haunt you in life and death. That's death. That's a that's a happy thought. Thank you very much, yes. Brent. Very good. So, if you tuned in last week. We spun the wicked wheel. We made the unholy deal. And this week, we're going to be playing games on the much-celebrated, for its time, ZX-81. The Sinclair ZX-81, or ZX-81, or ZX-81, if you're in the States. Brent, uh, I doubt you knew much about the old Sinclair ZX-81, did you?
1: I didn't. No, I mean, we obviously have played with the Spectrum
0: uh, in mass. Uh, By spectrum and I you, knew... refer, you mean the, uh, ZX spectrum, which was the, the, uh, follow up to the ZX, the ZX 81.
1: Obviously. Yes. And, uh, I, I knew there were computers before it, obviously. Uh, but that has always had my focus.
0: Mm. Well, you know, it's funny. I knew about the ZX through one simple reason. When me and boat started getting into the, uh, British computers, uh, I just assumed one size fit all. and So when I saw ZX-81, I almost bought one because thinking it was a Spectrum. And thank God I did a little research at the time because that would have been quite a shock. There's a, quite a few differences between the ZX-81 and the uh, Specky, yeah. But one thing we want to talk about here is how we, how we got here to the ZX-81. You know, uh, Sir Clive Sinclair, the man behind the Sinclair uh technologies and all of sinclair's uh industrial efforts uh he did he this guy didn't know jack squat about computers let's make that nope. abundantly clear but what he did know was how to sell product this he sucker was a marketing knew how to madman
1: that's right yes
0: and he knew that to to make the big money you price that crap cheap dirt cheap yep and so uh you can't talk about the sinclair zx81 without talking about the sinclair zx80 which again, Brent, much like the NASCOM that we covered a few weeks ago, was uh, sold as a kit, uh, the original yeah. ZX-80, uh, and was a, uh, was the first personal computer ever sold for under 100 pounds. Uh, an incredible yeah. feat. Uh, yeah. You could get this thing in kit form, I believe it was 79 pounds. I believe uh, you're correct. And yeah. the and then you could get the computer pre-assembled for 100 pounds or 99 pounds. A remarkable achievement. Now what did you get for your money? And and Roy, we can talk about these sort of interchangeably because there's a lot of similarities between the two. What you got for your money was a, uh, a very small unit uh, with uh, basically no frills. The ZX-80 <laughs> was made for cost-effectiveness. Yes. It, it was so cheap, Brent, that they didn't even use actual screws in it. They used plastic pegs. Yeah, you to don't keep- need screws. That's, screws cost too much. That's right. Uh, another another thing that they didn't have, and this the ZX80 and 81 didn't have. This is they most machines of the time would use a uh, a female uh, slot connector on the back to uh, so you could accommodate a cartridge or a sure. peripheral. The ZX80 and the 81 actually use an edge connector. They because they didn't want to yeah. pay for the <laughs> they want to pay for the female edge connector. They they've just got an edge connector on the back, so you have to put that thing in the cartridge or peripheral. Wacky. So, But what did the ZX81 bring to the table? Well, they consolidated a bunch of chips into one chip, so they had that yeah. going for them. They also well, doubled the ROM in it.
1: Wh- one thing about the chips that needs to be mentioned to understand how incredible it was, they went from uh, 40 chips in the original ZX80 down to four chips. Four in the ZX81 that's amazing
0: they well they, they consolidated a lot of chips into one big chip it was very yeah. very impressive um, one thing that I thought was interesting about uh, the ZX80 and 81 is they have uh, they have a port very few ports but they had a port for a microphone a they had a port uh, for a uh, the cassette output input and then they also had a port for power all three ports were the same 8 inch jack ports. So you could actually plug in the power to the cassette port for example any of the cassette ports that <laughs> I often wonder if that would cause anything to happen if you put power <laughs> into the wrong port uh, but uh, so that that was a problem but uh, they the, the ZX81 had a slightly improved keyboard and of course Sinclair always had those little basic keyboard commands that were like shortened on the keyboard which was you know helpful if you're going to program especially on that godforsaken Uh, membrane keyboard. Uh, The overall, though, this machine was a much more usable machine, uh, and they did a lot with it, didn't they, Brent? They did, yeah. What are you...
1: Go ahead. What's funny is they, you know, when most people look at the keyboard, the keyboard looks crazy busy, right? Yeah. Uh, Clive took that and made it into a marketing gimmick. He said, yeah, like, if you're going to program on this thing... Half the half the steps are already done. They're all hot keyed in. It's awesome. That you know when anyone else would look at that keyboard and think, "Oh my God, what's going on?" But yeah, he actually sold that, and it helped. It helped it because it allowed your common man who knew nothing of computers. This is you know the ZX eighty one launched March fifth of eighty one, and it allowed the common man to feel more comfortable that he was going to be able to uh, get this machine and do things with it. And that went a long way with marketing to
0: help sell the machine. You know, one thing I, I, I was I was reading and watching videos and doing research for this that struck me was that a lot of people, it seems like the ZX80 and 81 had sort of the same... They got sort of the same treatment that the Cocoa did in a lot of ways in that that's, they were sort of ridiculed. And, and as time has went on, they've gotten hassled. I don't think people understand the significance of a of a computer that you could have at your house for for that price. I yeah, mean, and,
1: it's amazing. And we didn't mention the actual price of the 81. The 81 sold ready-to-go for 70 pounds and in kit form, you could get it as low as 50 pounds.
0: Yeah, remarkable. So you're talking, I think that's, in, if you put that in U.S. money, you're probably a couple hundred bucks, and you're in. And it's that's amazing. Again, you, for people that weren't around back then, it's hard to envision this. and you know. But, I mean, computer, the thought of having a per. I was alive when they, no one had a personal computer. I remember being at school, watching a thing on Bell Laboratories, that they had this big computer, and they're making this big deal out of it. You know, like, man, they've got this huge computer. And no one ever thought they were going to have a co- computer at the house, ever. Yeah. That never occurred to anybody. And so, so all uh, of a sudden, this thing comes around at that price, and that is remarkable, man.
1: And here's here's something to put that in perspective. Some other computers that were selling around the same time, the absolute next cheapest computer was the Dragon 32, Okay. Which and you, it, was selling, say it was selling a cocoa, yeah, for a hundred seventy-five. Okay, now that's almost double the price, right? And when you think about that, what more do you get? Uh, yeah, you get a uh, color, a few, <laughs> a few more things. You get, uh, yeah, color on the screen, stuff like that. <laughs> the next step up, though, uh, outside of the Vic Twenty, which was obviously super popular, after you get out of that range you start talking three, four, ten times the price. So this computer coming out at this price point made it highly uh, accepted and purchased throughout the UK and, and property or territories because it allowed people who had no idea what a computer was to take a risk, to take, I mean, sure, that's still a lot of money, but it's, Far less than, say, the Apple II Plus, which was selling for you know $1,300 at the time. That's how you have to compare this kind of thing. Sure, was the Apple Plus, Apple II Plus, more powerful? Of course it was, but at uh, you know 13 times the price, you would expect it to be. So this took as much computer technology, and by the way, the Z80 chip holy crap, we need to do a whole show on just the Z80 chip. It's the best thing ever. It was uh, in everything. But to take all that computer <laughs> power and, and get it into a sub-100 price
0: tag is extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. I, I agree. And We should also mention that <clears throat> one of the improvements of the ZX81 had, had over the 80 was just it looked a lot better. Uh, yeah, I think this case, if I'm not mistaken, was was uh, 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 designed by uh, Rick Dickinson, who went on to design the the uh, Spectrum, and he also, I'm pretty sure he was the fellow that also designed the Spectrum next, it just came out, I believe he just passed away recently, but yeah, th- this was a, it's a good looking case, these things are incredibly small, something that can't be understood, they're real small, <laughs> I mean, there's not much to them, uh, they're very they impressive. They weigh less than a pound. And the whole computer, minus power supply, weighs less than a pound. Hey, let me ask you. You know, we just covered the NASCOM a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, of course, I'd heard of the ZX81. I had never heard of the NASCOM. But we got to get right. in there and get intimate with both of them. I, and this is no disrespect to the to the ZX81. But I think the NASCOM sort of held its own with this machine in a lot of ways. And it makes you wonder what could have been. What, what do you think about that?
1: Um, I agree. Uh, Both systems definitely had their flaws. Uh, For example, the uh, ZX81, while highly moddable, I mean, people were selling uh, almost proper keyboards for these things instead of membrane keyboards. And you could do that since it was a kit computer. You could put all this new, crazy stuff on there, and and in that way, it was a lot like the NASCOM. Uh, But where... Uh, the ZX81 really had its failings was its power supply. Uh, so much so that when this was sold in big box stores, you know, this was the first computer that was on the shelf that you could purchase you know, in the UK. Um, go to a store and purchase, not mail order or anything like mm. that. Uh, the stores would actually order 33% more than they thought they could
0: sell because they knew the return was going to be high for failed power supply. That's a, that's a Sinclair trademark. It seems like that's happened <laughs> on a lot of their machines. Of course, you again though to a certain. I was in manufacturing. You were briefly, and when yeah. you're manufacturing something very technical and very outside your scope, you're going to have those sorts of issues from a manufacturing perspective, because you're well, especially something like this. Uh, That doesn't surprise me that much, to be honest with you. Sure,
1: and for the power supply, you can kind of blame it on manufacturing, but the second large uh, failing point was a flaw in the actual ZX81's design with, as you said, not having an actual port in the back and just having the card stick out. People would fry their memory modules, and sometimes the computers themselves all the time from that thing slipping off. Oh yeah, I've read. I've read people talking about that so much so, that. yeah, that they would actually take tacking glue and the tacking putty and put it <laughs> in between the memory yes. module and the computer to basically
0: fuse the two together. <laughs> I do recall hearing something about that because uh, the the way that thing sets on the back there, since it's since the slot is on the uh, peripheral, not on the machine. It yeah you know that causes problems. Especially those are going to get loose yes. after a while. And really, the, a memory addition to this thing is almost uh, uh mandatory because yeah it's it's pretty one k is, is is very little. I should mention before we move into the games here that uh, if you had a ZX eighty, uh, and you were looking enviously at the at the eighty one, you were not out of the loop. Uh, they nope. released a ROM update, uh, upgrade, and a keyboard uh, lay, uh, overlay, and you were good to go. Uh, that's how similar yeah. they were. So <laughs> you were actually good to go if you if you swapped out that memory or uh, swapped out that that uh, ROM chip. Uh, so you could was, I, I would wager the majority of ZX80s walking around these days probably had that done to them by now, uh, had had them upgraded. So if, uh, really, you've got two different ZX81s: the 80s and the 81s. Kind of neat. It's a neat little machine, I have to say.
1: Yeah, and do you know why the the original ZX-80 sold uh, 500,000 units when it first came out, right? right. The 81, uh, I believe the number was 1.5 million, and the price point was so low that these started showing up in schools. And that is how a lot of kids... uh, was introduced to computers was this thing because it was cheap enough that you could throw a couple of these in the classroom and be okay. Brilliant move is exactly what you needed to do. So, I, I mean, we talk to people all the time. It's like, yeah, this was my first computer or this was my first computing experience. And the reason why is they could... The price point was so cheap, you could get these into places that you couldn't get a computer into normally. Yeah. So it was all... Uh, part of Sinclair's uh, vision. Uh, I, I was watching a thing up until, you know, a few years ago, well, many years ago at this point, uh, Clive said, admitted, he said, I don't, I, I can't do anything on these things. I've never learned to program them. You know, that wasn't my thing. My thing was to make us look like the underdog make us look like a small family company, get the price down to where we could put this in every home. And that's what he did. And his marketing strategy was brilliant. And the computers were good enough that the marketing strategy worked. So when you have both of those in combination, you've got a pretty winning combination.
0: You know, I should mention, and I'm not going to get into this too much because this could be something we cover on a future show. But the, the ZX-81s did make it to the States uh, in the 80 to yeah. a certain degree. And under the guise of the Timex Sinclair 1000 series, which w- I will say that was, those were the butt of the joke over here for a while. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> because they were known for not being very good computers. And they sold for, I mean, I remember seeing these things get blown out when I was a kid uh, for like 60, 50, 60, 70 bucks. Uh, and, I mean, you could. I remember seeing a, uh, a plastic tub of them like in the middle of like a uh one of the retail shops with just like boxes of them in there i mean because you could and they weren't that yeah. big uh, but but the uh in some ways the timex and claire's uh were slightly improved from the zx but they were mostly the same but uh somewhere down the road they we, were but they also had severe uh uh fail rates well we should mention that timex actually were the manufacturers of these yeah so they probably didn't, didn't help it's funny because timex is sort of known at least in america for making quality watches i wouldn't say expensive yeah. ones but quality so you would think that they would uh but this is a long way from watch making that's that's you talk about retooling your assembly line <laughs> yeah one last
1: thing we have to mention uh before we get into the game and this would be the last thing we'll get on to the games uh the ZX81 had a math failing uh it actually if you took the square root oh man i cannot remember the number now i saw this it's like one
0: it the answer should have been like 0.5 1.5. and it ended up being yeah, like 1. it, 1.238672 whatever yeah i saw yes. that uh, yeah, you remember a few years ago when that happened to one of the Pentium line? They had, yes, a, they had, a, I do, a, a, they had an issue. I can't remember which one it was. Hey, math is hard, <laughs> even for the computer, right? That's right. So, with all that said, a very interesting uh, machine. We have really had a good time Absolutely. looking into research on this. But with all that said, it was time to pick a couple games to look at on this thing. I'll, I'm going to start the charge this week. With my selection, I had to look around. And it, again, it's a, this, is a, this is a machine that me and Brent have no prior experience on. And so we didn't know what the good games were, the bad games. I just sort of tried to pick something that looked like it was my type of game. That's the best I could come up with. And what I ended up coming up with was a game called 49er. Niner. Yes. As they say, 49er. <laughs> uh, 49er, a game... That was published by the... I love the name of this place. The Cosmic Cockerel. Uh, which is <laughs> a chicken. And it... Which apparently they were actually... They ev- eventually turned into the software farm. So either way it goes. A st- stupid, stupid name. They love
1: the farm animal. Yeah.
0: So... <laughs> this came out in 1984. So this is a, a, a an exceptionally late, late release. Uh, yeah. And the, the reason... I picked this game was, this game was one of the first games that did something that no one thought the the ZX81 could do, which was produce high-res graphics, alright? Yeah. Um, this thing required the 16K attachment, okay, obviously, which a lot of stuff did. Which
1: almost everything right. did,
0: yeah. And uh, <laughs> this game could run in high-res gl- graphics. The majority of graphics on this machine, including uh, the ones that are, that are going to be featured in your game later, were made up of like keyboard characters and those pre-rendered little shapes that would come with the machine. Uh, the the yeah. The C64 is famous for those. The little things that you could see on the key; it would have the different little graphics. Those it would come with almost like ANSI. Uh, and but this is a game that actually ran in a high res mode, which was unthinkable at the time. Now. Keep in mind that in 84, I believe that the uh, ZX Spectrum was released in 83. It was. So yeah. So it, by this time, the the, the 81 was uh, on its way out the door. So this yeah. would have been still it, quite a remarkable 84 is thing. 84 when it got discontinued. Yeah, so there you go. Um, <clears throat> so what do you got here with this game? Well, I found a blurb that sort of describes what exactly you're doing. Because it's kind of hard to tell right out of the gate. So I'm just going to read this verbatim. Uh, in, in 1849, the Great American Gold Rush started. Almost everyone who could sold up everything and went out west for the precious metal, including you. You must evacuate the precious metal. No, excuse me. That didn't sound right. You must excavate the precious You don't want to evacuate it. That's no good. You you must escava- excavate this precious metal, but can you survive the giant rats and the vicious gremlin? which come to infest your mind, that was a problem back in the 1840s. The gremlins were everywhere in California. <laughs> Can you trick the snakes into leaving their comfortable nests and destroying the rats for you? Can you creep to keep the gremlin at bay? Riches await you, but so do the hazards. There you go. So <laughs> this is a game where you play the 49er, which is another term for just a, a, a gold prospector from back in the day. You've got to dig through the earth, to dig up the giant gold nuggets, uh, and as you go through, you also will be posting up support beams, all right? Because you got to have those to keep your cave up. As you go through the ground, you're going to come through rats' nests, and the rats are going to come out. Which that probably did—that's probably something that did happen in mining. But big bunch of rats down there. Uh, so the funny thing about this game is, you, it's, you have an unlikely ally in, in large underground snakes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty strange to me. So, <clears throat> this is a game in your classic sort of dig-dug uh, perspective. You've got a miner that digs through the earth. You're going to see on the screen, at the top of the screen, there's like a big mountain. Then you're underneath the ground, and on, and then aside, to the left of the mountain, there's a little pile of, of dots. So your job is to dig through this earth... And go towards the gold nuggets, where it's, they look like little white wads, basically. Uh, as you go through, you're going to see it. You're you're only going to see a few different things in the ground, but they're pretty easy to pick out. You see the nuggets. You see this sort of almost like a, a, a flashing Z's that are in the ground, and then you see these uh, raised areas, like these miscolorations of of, of pixels that move around these are the rats and so the way this game works is as you dig through the soil rats they move they move around underground and so when they come into your tunnel you they 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 you can see them and they start chasing you or walking around the uh, the miscolored shapes that you see are the rats that are still in the dirt like I said, they move around yeah. now what do you do you're a mighty you have only got a couple options here to get these rats off of you one is you can turn around and you can sort of whack your support beams, that and they'll make the cave sort of cave in. And when you do that, the rats, uh, it doesn't kill them, but it does slow them down. They don't move as quickly underground as they do in your cat in your uh tunnel. And I should mention they move pretty quick in the tunnel, don't they? Like yeah, they're they're slightly yeah, faster than you. They'll your catch character. you. So you can kick the beams. The other more hilarious way to get rid of these guys is to release the snakes. These yeah. the, the the flashing Z's are are snakes that are coiled up underground, and what you can do is if you lead a bunch of rats to where the snake's at, and, and angle it right when you dig through the snake, he'll just shoot it straight out, and he'll eat anything in the in the in the way. Now he doesn't shoot out right away; it takes him a second to uncoil. So if you've got a rat directly on you, you're, you're probably still sort of boned. But if, if the rats are a little bit piece away from you, then the snake will come up and eat them. There are usually several snakes per level, and there are a, a ton of rats that come out. <clears throat> so how do you get off a level? Well, you've got to collect all the gold nuggets. And when you do that, a mine door will appear at the bottom right of the screen. And you've got to go into the door now. This, this could be a tricky situation because I have found that there's plenty of times where you walk into the door and you can't actually get in uh, because uh, you have to come in at a certain angle, and that's one thing that haunts this game, which I'll get into in a minute. Now, I don't want to... I would be amiss if I didn't mention the giant gremlin at the top of the screen. So, up on the top of the screen is a big pile of... It looks like a mountain, and there's a freak that just bounces around with a big gaping mouth and that's all he does but what he's doing is actually eating your dirt pile at the top of the screen that dirt piles there for a reason because it keeps that guy from coming into the mine okay so periodically you've got to come up come back up to the surface and dump some dirt off to, to keep your dirt pile large enough if you don't this thing will eventually eat through all your dirt and then he'll come into the mine right this is no good because he can't be he can't be hurt. He's a he's a killer gremlin. Now I didn't find this guy to be too difficult to to deal with, but he becomes a bigger problem as you get further into the game, uh, because the dirt pile gets smaller and smaller, <clears throat> and then once he gets in there, you're pretty much you're, he, he'll come get you. You're pretty much boned. Uh, this game uh, there's actually a lot going on in it. I mean, they don't really introduce a whole lot of they don't really re- introduce anything different as you go on. It's just more of the same. But uh, the rats are more numerous. The rats, just on level 1, are already deadly enough. I mean, this is a game that it was not easy, was it, Brent?
1: And uh, no, some of it was cheapness. Like, you can start and a rat be so close to you that you can't get away. Absolutely. Um, But most of the time, uh, a majority of the time, uh, it starts off in a fair position and you can actually play the level.
0: What did you think of this one, Brent? Uh, again, we've never played or heard of these games. What What, what were your uh, impressions on this one? Well, I, I'm assuming
1: you're going to go over this, but the biggest failing of the game, um, and I let me i know up. what you're going to say, start but by, yeah, please—I I shouldn't start by killing yeah. it because this was this had a few aspects that were freaking amazing. Um, having the dirt piles of the rats as they dig underground. Where you can see them, like it looks like they're burrowing
0: through. Amazing, it's a good effect, yeah. Especially, yeah, it's simple too. It's a simple effect. They just raise a little cursor area of graphics and make them slightly different. That's all it takes, and you can see them burrowing. It's a really good effect,
1: yeah. It's it's excellent. It's excellent. Um, having the snakes, uh, uh, Chase after the rats. I thought was a really nice touch. Normally, your snakes are enemies in a game, uh, and I was very confused when I first when I first started playing of why weren't the snakes killing me? Right. Uh, but but they are solely there to use as a weapon. Yeah. This is very much a reverse dig it, Dug it, where it's exactly things go
0: up instead of going yeah, down. Exa- they're like the rocks in dig Dug. They're exact exactly Correct. the way I thought of it. Yeah. Uh,
1: and the everything looks good. Every the rats look really really good. Yeah. Your guy looks good. He's well animated. Um, of course, there is no sound. Yeah, there's uh, no sound. The, something with the with the ZX81 is the only sound it could produce was from the tape player. So
0: most things didn't take any type of advantage. I of that. did read that they could switch the ZX81 had a thing called slow mode and fast mode. Unlike the, the original ZX80, only had only had fast mode. And you would think slow mode would be bad, but it actually they used it to 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 have the processor do multiple tasks and i read somewhere that if that someone came up with a way that if you if you switch between these modes real fast you can make this thing generate some sort of sound over the rf so i
1: yeah but it, it it's it's yes that's true but it was i can't I found didn't run into anything that actually used it. I,
0: I, well, yeah, there weren't...
1: A- so I don't know how late into the cycle that was even a thing. And apparently they even had a um, sound
0: edition, but it, uh, apparently nothing used that either. So, yeah.
1: Right. But, I mean, the, that's not what we're talking about. You know, the, the sound of this was obviously not important. Um, there. <laughs> for its for its uh, uh, product. The issue with this game, and I had a lot of fun playing this, uh I thought it was fun to complete levels. It did kind of suck that progression only meant that the the goblin was a little bit faster at getting into the mine. And that uh, the rats and stuff were just more numerous. I I wish they would maybe not introduce the rats at first or, or mixed it up a little bit. It's just the progression doesn't feel great. But the biggest problem with the game is your character is two segments tall and he is only one segment wide. And the reason why this is an issue is when you're moving around the level and you go up and down, left and right, it does not work well. Uh, I think a, a better solution would have been to make him either square two segments and two segments or just one segment. Uh, cause you get a lot of in between issues <clears throat> with him being too tall and only one wide. And it's not a ton of a problem, but it can be an issue. Uh, especially when you're talking coming into the door, you have to line it up correctly because you can't be a segment off. Um, And the other issue with the game is like something I said before. The it's random where it puts the nuggets and the rats and the snakes, and sometimes that randomness means a rat is so close to you that
0: the game starts and then it instantly kills you. Yeah, uh, Um, you you hit the nail on the head there with with. And the thing is that don't get it twisted. The guy looks great. You show him. He digs with his hands. It looks good. Yes. But where he's where he's a little bit taller. He's, not all of his body is in play, I guess is the best way to put it. And so, sometimes, for yeah. example, you could run right over a nugget and not get it because you didn't yeah. perfectly run over the nugget, just like the doors. Also, the snakes, exact same way. You could think you, could, you got the snakes perfectly and you didn't get it. What would have probably helped is if they had just made this guy half as tall. Right Now, the flip side of well, that yeah, is... yeah, one segment tall. The, the, <clears throat> the problem with that would have been... He wouldn't look as cool, because there's no way you could animate him as well, given those parameters. So I can see why they did it this way. And once you play this for for a while, I'm not going to say... I mean, you get used to it, but by that I mean you just get used to getting screwed, basically. Because you know that I mean it's going to happen. You accept the limitations. Yeah, like, when I first played this, I couldn't leave. And I thought, what did I do wrong? Well, it wasn't because I couldn't leave, it's because I was trying to go down into the door... And you can't do that. you got to come oh, through the yeah, front of you the definitely door. Can't do that. So stuff yeah. like that, like collision issues. And I'll, I'm not going to call it collision detection because I'm not even sure it's that advanced. It's just uh, it's just the way it is, I guess is the best way to put yeah. it. But all that said, and uh, if you're looking at this or have played this before, you're probably thinking to yourself, man, ah, this looks like some kind of like Dig Dug knockoff. It doesn't really play anything like Dig Dug. I mean, it really doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's its own game. I'll, and I'll give it yeah. credit for that you know it's its own game it's uh, and it's it's a unique game it was a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on uh, on the screen uh, but it's it if you have to get past the limitations of the graphical issues that are that you know that are in there because that that is the the biggest failing of the game all that said and
1: when you go ahead when you take a step back and you realize that this is for
0: the ZX81 yeah. that's mind blowing right right with a 16k expansion because again yeah. this was a this is a machine that wasn't to put it but let me just put it this way on the original zx80 whenever you typed in text and hit enter the whole screen would flash because the 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 v, there is no video output it's basically sharing the video output with the processor that's how remedial it was you know yeah. and so you're you're really pushing this thing to the limits with a game like this uh yeah, do you have so this one you would you would give the thumbs up to Brent, or, the, or not?
1: Here's the thing: if you were looking at ZX eighty one games, right, wow. and you wanted something that was entertaining to play, and I feel pushed the system hard to its maybe its max, um, I think this is a good look. I would not go out of my way to hunt this game out down. I don't think it did anything that special to make it worth seeking out. Yeah. But if you're looking for ZX81 games, absolutely give this a shot. If
0: you've got the emulator already up and running, give this a look. Beautiful. So we did get a, a review on this one from our good buddy uh, Z- Z9K9 who writes... It's a solid game design with elements in balance and interesting decisions to make. Unfortunately, the controls and collision detection are on the woolly side. There's a lot of hidden learning in knowing exactly how to touch things to make sure they get triggered off. That's true, we talked about that. E.g. the snakes. And even then, they still feel unreliable, though more play might resolve this. Interestingly, when the Gremlin reaches the left edge of... The left edge... It's not a timeout and game over as the instructions led me to expect, but instead he runs rampant through the level, devouring all the earth and turning it into an open battle arena, which is a much more interesting outcome, I agree. Full credit for technical achievement. If tie is a game which tries to maximize its creativity with the, with, within the accepted technical limitations, this, game, this is a game which strains against those limitations and succeeds at the cost to the game itself, 7 out of 10. Oh, well-written. I agree with all of that. Not, not well-read, but well-written. Uh, 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 testimonial on that particular game. We've also got an entry here from uh, Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky. <clears throat> he gives us a Herm-Firm, 8 out of 10, Brent. At first glance, <laughs> you may think, meh, but you have to appreciate the limitations and the expectations of the ZX81. This computer was designed to be the first affordable home computer here in the UK with the exception of the ZX80. Uncle Clive didn't have the games industry in mind when he built this. It was meant to aid education and small businesses with simple applications. Well, that definitely helped us 80s kids persuade our parents to buy one. These games were written by youngsters who had no prior knowledge of coding. This was the first time for many successful game designers got to experiment. It was never taught in school. Instead, studying experimentation with basic programming manual in, in dark, colored bedrooms was all we had to go by. When you see some of these Games on the ZX81, you can instantly see they're the backbone of many future game ideas that we all grew up to love, 49 are included. This game is a prime example and a superb work of art, a very addictive little underground game for its time. Only gripe I have is that the game could not, uh, is that the game, uh, could not exit the levels vertically, you have to hit them from the left. I, yes, I understand that. These games really did have Sir Clive Sinclair spitting dummies. There you go. We've also got a review from Frodo NL. Frodo writes, Given that the ZX81 does not have a graphics mode, this was an amazing feat. High resolution graphics had not been seen before in ZX81 games. Even looking back now, it's still amazing that the Cosmic Cockerel Slash Software Farm was able to do this without any additional hardware apart from the 16K RAM expansion. of course. Even better though, the game was actually fun to play. Of course, there is no color, but the graphics are very recognizable. The only issue I have with the game occurs when a rat happens to be very close when the player starts. Especially if possible, when you just lost a life, that can make the game pretty much unplayable and make one lose the rest of their lives. This is a small issue, though. Extra points for having redefinable keys. That's true. And a five-slot yeah. high-score table. Eight and a half out of ten brent so we got a lot of good action on the old zx 81 this week absolutely uh, i i concur with all i pretty much I think this guy's all nailed it and i pretty much covered the same points we did uh, a technical marvel and a fun game although a bit limited by its own technical achievement i think so yes. with all that in mind uh brentster you picked something completely different what do you got for us this week
1: I brought the game Ty to the table. And Ty is uh, a shooter game where you are the last of a people and you are trying to stop the Imperial fleet from making it to the main planets. Because if the Imperial fleet makes it to the main planets, that's it. Life as you know it is over. Uh, This obviously took some inspiration from the star Wars films. And we'll get into that in a little bit. This was, uh, designed by Brian Burdett and was published by the PSS in 1983. The PSS is the personal software service. And they ran, uh, up until 1987, where they were acquired by mirror soft oh. and the, And the guy actually admits that the whole reason why they kind of fell apart was he took his eye off the ball. He said, you know what, early in the career I was focused on these uh, 8-bit computers and I was putting amazing stuff out there. He was putting war games and stuff, stuff that really hadn't been seen. And uh, uh, the guy said, I lost focus, and then we just kind of fell apart and got taken over. So it's good to see when a a, uh, a person of that power understands where they failed. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I wanted so badly to interview the creator of Ty, uh, Brian Burdett his, his son was found online and this was the only game Brian ever did. Although there is an unreleased game that Brian made called donkey derby, oh. which was a gambling time. Oh, we got to see
0: that someday. Un- never oh.
1: released, unfortunately, and the the only existing copies uh, are believed oh, lost. Man. Uh Drew stated. But let's talk. Let's let's not look at the sadness. Let's look at the goodness, and let's take a look at Ty. In Ty, you are a spaceship, and in the very beginning of the game, you're flying through this ghost canyon, and you have to eliminate enough ghosts to clear your path <coughs> to fly out into space so you can take on uh, the evil empire. And you fly through a repeating canyon uh, a la River Raid style, just that kind of perspective. Uh, Your ship is about uh, a third of the way up the screen. It can't move up and down. It can only move left and right and shoot. And you are tasked of to get a score of 20 uh, by eliminating ghosts and fireballs and once you do that, it clears the path and lets you fly up to space. Something that needs to be said about this game, this, the scrolling, super smooth uh, for what we're working with. Everything, the graphics in this area work. You feel like you're flying through this canyon of the dead. Uh, the the canyon has skull shapes and ruins and uh, cities built into the wall. And it all looks awesome it all looks awesome the the skull uh is this mountain a fixture in the middle of the uh cavern or the middle of the ravine i should say looks incredible and this was all hand drawn on graph paper uh his son says that he's got a his father had a roll of graph paper that he would lay out you know feet long because the the stage loops so you got to get all of this lined up to begin with to find out where your looping point's going to be and everything, and it's all built with characters that the keyboard can produce. Uh, it does not fight the restrictions of the system; it works with what it can do. So you're flying this ship, and your ship has a number on it. It's how many uh, hits you can take before you crash and burn. You got to start over, and uh, it's got a little engine exhaust. And you're firing your bullets and you're shooting your ghost. And eventually, once you clear enough out, you clear the path, you get a launch into space. And in space, you get into your uh, very similar-looking Millennium Falcon fighting very much ripped-off TIE Fighters in a completely different game mode. Now you're kind of in this third-person perspective down your ship. Uh, shooting all these different gun turrets left and right, and you've got uh, different TIE Fighters that will fly into view, and you've got to try to shoot them all to, to stop the Empire from advancing. The two different game modes in this is what makes it special. Uh, going from a completely top-down perspective and flying through the canyon and then making it up into space where you're fighting these TIE Fighters in this unruly spaceship beautiful transition beautiful fun uh the shortcomings uh of course are mostly based on the system there's only so much you can do the, i think the the canyon level loops a little too quickly i wish there was a little more variety there what's there looks awesome don't get me wrong uh, i just wish there was a little more canyon to explore since you see it the majority of the time and then space looks like space uh, you go. Know, you've got your stars out there, and you've got your your Tie Fighters swooping in, and you have a little bit more control of your ship. Real fun time, I feel. What did you think of this one,
0: Aaron? You know, I've got to tell you uh, on this one. First of all, when it comes up, <clears throat> when this game comes up, it the whole screen lights up and and, and starts counting and running through all these characters. I was like, what in the heck is going on here? And then eventually it comes up and it shows you this uh, backstory, which I like. It yeah. tells you the whole backstory of what's going on. So it's all built into the game. I love I love games that do that. Uh, and then yeah. you kick off. Now, I, I didn't understand the rules at first. I can tell you now, having watched the video on this after the fact, uh, I was The emulator I was using on this, it, it ran fine, but I couldn't fire bullets as quickly as I think I was supposed to, because I could never get off the first level. I had to watch video of the second oh, level. Oh, really? Unfortunate. And I think it was emulator related, because I, I was... I, I don't know about that. Maybe the key repeat wasn't on high enough or something like that. But uh, the fact that this whole cavern is built out of uh, existing characters, they did a great job. Uh, with that, the whole uh, the skull uh, thing was cool. Uh, it was challenging to try to move your ship through it. I th- I think the idea of having a number on the back of your ship to represent your shields is a great idea. uh, uh it, it, Because it's listen, it's not realistic, but in a game, it ha- you you need to see what's going on. So it's uh, utilitarian. You can see what's happening. I like that, man. It was a it was a good choice. Um, the ghosts or the little, little ships or whatever you're shooting in the first level uh, are not the easiest thing to take out, but it's doable, especially if you've got more bullets. I came close, and I, like I said, I was firing about one-fifth what I've seen other people firing at.
1: I, actually, I think that the cavern section is very difficult. You There are ways to cheese it. There are a couple ghosts that you can shoot every time without having to worry about getting hit. Um but then you have to worry about maneuvering the canyon every time, which isn't terribly difficult, uh, but it does take a little bit of effort. This is not a game you're going to play for uh, hours and hours and hours. Uh, you're going to get in there, you're going to experience the graphics in this thing, uh, and you're going to fight to get to the, last, to the second part. And once you do that, you feel accomplished, you want to try to get back there again. I never killed enough ships uh, from the Imperial Invaders to complete the game uh but i I, my understanding is there's not a screen after that and if there is if someone's made it to it please let me know i'd love to if there is one let me know so i can go back and try to get past it um but the uh Everything works in this, and really, if you fly into the canyon wall, you don't just die; you start losing right. shield. And, and it's sort so of forgiving. Nothing is a one right. hit. It's sort kill. of
0: forgiving. It's not going to like dock you a ton, you know. If you if you just sort of graze it, it might not even take you any, you know. It's 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 not too bad, all things considered. And again, uh, uh, the fact that this was all done on a, on this particular computer uh, with its yeah. uh, built in limitations. I mean this. I can imagine, you talked about the guy having the rolls of uh, graphic, but I can imagine it, rolling it out and p- typing all this stuff up. I mean, it reminds me of the old ANSI graphics we used to see on BBSs. I mean, a lot. <laughs> it, that's what, It's almost like yeah. you're playing an ANSI graphic, which for me is great. Yeah. Uh, a, a, you know, a monochrome ANSI graphic. It's Again, that's something else we should mention. This is all monochrome. So, I mean, really, it doesn't limit what you can do. So both these games excelled in getting across what they were trying to come up with game-wise uh, in with the limited care, uh, you know, graphic sets and, and the limited uh, uh, limited color scheme. And plus no sound. We should mention that as well. So yeah, this was, sure. a, this was a winner. Um, we got some Discord reviews on this one, Brent. We got a lot, actually, of Discord action this week, like I said. Z9K9 writes, This game begins with some pretty badass graphic design walls of, fra- of fractal skulls worthy of uh, Brugel, hellscape, and angular megastructures made of either bone, stone, or gleaming metal. It's open to interpretation. If Psygnosis had made games to the ZX-81, they might have been like this. The enemies have enough randomness to require some width, though I found a, fair- a fairly safe pattern to run eventually. It's a shame that the level ends not after a, particularly t- after a particular time period, but shortly after reaching 20 points. And neither is your remaining health carried across in any way, which makes your performance on this level somewhat redundant. The second level gives the impression of hurtling through space and seems like a solid target shooting challenge with an interestingly awkward weapon. Again, though, it's yeah. a shame that this game technically ends after this level, so that you must restart with zero points instead of carrying it forward. Six out of ten. From Z9K9, uh, I think that's all. I think that's well
1: written and very expresses very much how I feel about yeah. the game as well. Paul,
0: yeah. aka Hermski, writes a Herm firm seven out of ten. It's always difficult <laughs> to score titles so far back when games are still very new in the home. What I do know is this game would have been super impressive back then. The fact that this game holds two completely different styles of level in one single load is a tall order for a computer like this. Many of the other games just loop similar levels, arcing speeds, slightly changing layout, or throwing in different enemy sprites. I didn't get very far in this game, only managing to get to the second level once. However, when I got there, I was so excited to see something different, I lost track and died. Still, the <laughs> game is not as good as the other ZX Classic ZXA1's classics like 3D Monster Maze and Flight Simulator, but it's better than most. So there you go. We've got Frodo and L chimes in. Tie. A nice ZX-81 game I'd never even heard about. First impressions. Basically a rather standard scrolling shooter that is saved by some great use of the ZX-81 character set to create some rather stunning graphics in this first section. A not a very appealing second section followed by the realization that there is a, that, that is all the game there is. After playing it some more bug show in the first section nothing flies into your ship from the side making it too simple to complete that section but shoot i wish i'd known that all you need to do is shoot the mines and avoid hitting walls and then the worst one an intermittent error that glitches so much that the second section is unplayable now did you run into this brent
1: i did run into this and i don't know if it's a game issue or an emulation issue but you there are times when you reach the second part and that's it. It's just a big glitchy mess. Uh, we did have one of our Discord followers uh, state that they used a different emulator and was able to get uh, to the second section many, many
0: times without it glitching.
1: So I do believe it could be an emulator F- issue.
0: Frodo continues, This could have been a way better game if it can only contain the first section with speed-ups or possibly some enemies with different patterns. As it is though, the graphics in the first stage are basically what make the game five out of ten. I will say, when emulating the ZX81, I tried a couple of different emulators, and really, it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. To be honest with you, to get these games to run properly, like I said, I'm now I'm not sure I ever ran your game properly. So good feedback this week on the old games. I, I think they were both interesting games, uh, Brenster and and I agree. I I, uh, I think this the ZX81 surprised me. Uh, uh, quite a bit, uh, in terms of its, uh, game-playing prowess. Now, we may have gotten lucky and picked a couple winners here, you know, but uh, I looked at a bunch of other games that looked halfway decent, so there you go.
1: Yeah, there were, there are certainly games for the, for the ZX81 that are subpar, or, you know, people just didn't know how to use the, the power that was there, but... And, and just to the reverse side of the coin, there were a few games out there that completely blew my mind, including, Aaron, I think you said you saw this too, someone had ported Dragon's yes, Lair Jim, to
0: the zx that was Jim Bagley, a uh, very famous programmer, and if, if you ever watch the footage of this, uh, he, he's loading this off of an SD card, uh, some kind of SD hookup, but it's it's... A monochrome, miniaturized screen of the original Dragon Slayer. I mean, it is there. You can you can play it. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, very very unbelievable. Uh, and using the power of
1: the ZX eighty one. It's not. I mean, sure he's loading off a storage device that was never available at the time, but the actual processing power was being
0: done by the computer. I will say, the ZX eighty one, not the best computer I ever saw. But the best sub-80-pound computer I ever saw, Brent, I have to say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what
0: else is like, eh, the quality's okay. It's the freaking wheel. And here we go. now. Uh-oh. You've angered the wheel, And Now we must so be So this week, this week, Brent, uh, we are going to be celebrating Halloween shortly. And so what we have put together is what I like to call the Wheel of Death. The Wheel of Death, Brent. Tell the people what the Wheel of Death is all about. There's only
1: one thing that can rip those lock pieces off the wheel for a week. And that is the Wheel of Death. It has summoned forth its demonic powers and has left us with only the absolute worst of the worst that we have ever covered here on the show. So we are now going to spin this absolute wheel of pain
0: to see what comes up. Let's over real quick what we've got here. We've got the CD32. That had Brent's all-time least favorite game. We had the JAG. The first episode Brent ever did, he hated that. We've got zombie games because it's seasonal, right? We've got the Mattel Aquarius, everyone's least favorite computer. We've got the Atari ST. Hey listen, we had a crappy time on the ST. We're going to give it another shot. We had to bring this back because it was so horrible. And we just did it, but what the hell? The Commodore City TV, Commodore two entries on the Wheel of Death, everyone's least favorite episode of all time, Black and White Games. That's for you both. Uh, we've got movie games. This is the this is the pie piece that got kicked off YouTube, Brent. Boat. Yes. Another boat callback. His, another one of his, his most hated episodes. The Xbox. Bizarro spin. Just to make it more painful. There you go. Ten brutal pie pieces. Are you ready for the spin, Bridge? Yes. I know what I absolutely don't want to come up. I, can, I don't think I can take another week of, of the CDTV. Anything else I would consider Listen, a treat. You, you take what you take, and that's just the way—that's the way she goes. Here we go. What's the least thing you want the least, Brent, out of all these? TV. Okay. Here it is. Wheel of Death, the Halloween episode. Wheel of Death. The winner is—it looks like—it's the original Xbox. <laughs> oh Lordy, Boat's favorite Brent will be will be here. We'll be doing another week. He's gonna chastise me to no end when he sees this. You put that back on the wheel. Well, that's why we did it, Boat. The original Xbox, Brent. Could have been worse. That could have been worse. It could have been, been a lot been worse. worse. And I, I'm gonna try to pick something that relates to the holiday here of Halloween. So next week will be our Halloween edition of ARG Presents. Uh, you know, the last hol- holiday, uh, version of this we did, I believe was, was that the one we did the, uh, uh, ma- the Williams marathon, game. you did the marathon game. And I think I did city star yeah. it hungers coward. So that's not too bad. So, I mean, the Amigas, we have a tradition of having horrible Halloween episodes. So hopefully we've got an ARG tradition of not having, uh, episodes that are so bad. So until next week. Boo-Earns. I was saying boo Thanks for joining us today. We
1: really hope you enjoyed the show. Quick shout-out to all of our YouTube subscribers and Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for our amazing music. Would you like to keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at anchor.fm slash ARG dash presents. Supporters get entry into the Amigos Discord channel as well as their name called out in the credits. Supporters like these fine folks, Anthony Jarvis, Grand W. Metke, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Snow Doris, Bernhard Lukas, Frodo N L, Steve Rasmussen, Chris Fools, Nitsyama, Retro Algae, Hermsky, John Deckman, and Jerry Dennington don't want to explain another credit card bill that's okay too you can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify and Apple iTunes have an idea for a wheel piece send it to us at argpresents at mail.com we record live every Sunday at 9am EDT on Twitch hope to see you there